Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, we've prepared these for you. You can just simply, uh, if you don't have a handout, we can get one to you. We're going to jump right into it. When we think about being single, I talk to so many of my single friends, and there's a bunch of pressure on you being single. It's, it's almost like, you know, there's pressure from your family, like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to get married? There's pressure from your friends. They're like, you know, and it's, sometimes it's not spoken pressure. It's not question. It's just you see your friends moving toward uh, holy matrimony. You see your friends having babies, and then there's that pressure. Every birthday that comes, there's that pressure like, okay, when is this going to happen for me? And I, I understand it's tough. So there are three main points that I want to offer for you and, uh, when, we, when we talk about the issue or the subject of being single. The first thing I want to offer to you is this. Number one, be content in being single. Be content in singleness. Be content in singleness. Philippians 4.11 says this, and this is Paul, who is the epitome of a, a single brother just living his life for God. Paul says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this particular scripture is not talking about him being single. It's him, he's in jail. He's responding to uh, some concern that the, the church in Philippi had for him while he was incarcerated. They're concerned for his health. They're concerned that he's doing okay. And he, he had all of these concerns. So they're praying and they're hoping that things get better for him. And he says this, I've learned to be content no matter where I'm at. I've learned to be content even with my singleness. I've learned to be content even in this cell. I've learned to be content with a lot of food or no food. I am content. So my first thing I want to offer to, to my single uh, folks here today is be content. A couple of things I want to say about this is that the Bible affirms singleness. The Bible affirms singleness. How do I know? Well, if we read the Bible, there are a whole bunch of people in the Bible that God used to do some amazing things with that were single. Can I tell you all about like one of the, the, the main people in the Bible that was single and, and did some amazing things? His name was um, Jesus, or Jesus, as some of you all know. He was single from what we know as, as we study Scripture. Then there was obviously this man who wrote this particular Scripture by the name of Paul. He was single. Many of Jesus' disciples were single. The Bible affirms it, and they were blessed in their singleness. They were blessed in their singleness. So the Bible 
affirms being single. Now, with this, with this thing I want to tell you, when Paul was talking about this, Paul's general advice to the people that he was speaking to in his time uh, is, is, is not that it's, it's better to be single because of the opportunity you provide. Not that it's, it's, his advice is that it's better to stay single because of opportunities it provides to serve Christ without distractions. He's not saying be single for the sake of being single. He's saying it's better to do that for the sake of serving Christ without distractions. B, the second thing I want to present to you here is singleness is a gift. And I want to unpack this because, you know, many scholars would, would argue, say, no, no, being single is not a gift because we take that from 1 Corinthians 7 where, where, where Paul talks about that. And I want to unpack this just a little bit. So if, you, if you'll permit me to go a little bit deeper with this here. Singleness in itself is not the gift. The gift of singleness comes from when you are able to to, to manage the singleness, when you are able to tolerate being single. So being single in itself is not the gift. It's your tolerance for singleness. In other words, resisting temptation during your singleness. That's the gift, the tolerance that, that God gives you to resist resist certain temptations, to resist pressure from friends, family, and people that you're dating. There's a certain type of pressure that comes upon you when you're single and you're out on a hot date with someone and things get a little bit, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but things get a little bit hot. It's the tolerance to resist going to that level. That is the gift of singleness. Singleness in itself is not the gift. So let's clarify that. Singleness in itself is not the gift. It's the tolerance that is the gift from God, and he, and he gives it to us. Now, there are certain gifts that come with being single. One, <laughs> one of the few benefits of being single, freedom to move and go where you wish. Oh, see, my married folk are quiet because we, we, let me tell you what happened last night. And this is a gift. It's a great gift. As I said, my band, we played at this Atlanta Jazz Festival, and they roll out the Atlanta, city of Atlanta rolls out the red carpet for artists that are here performing. They had like this huge RV for us. Then they had a separate air-conditioned tent with like top-of-the-line food, all you can eat. And I didn't know I could have brought my family back there. And so uh, it was really nice. Well, one of my bandmates, you know, he's married. I think all of the bandmates are married. And one of the guys, uh, you know, I call him up. I says, hey, man, we, we're already heading home. I had, you left some equipment. I have it in my car. I said, where are you at, man? I could drop it by your house. He says, man, I'm still here hanging out. I said, what do you mean, man? You know, you, he said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in the RV. I got, like, Perry, Perrier water, and I've got, like, fruit and all this stuff, and I'm watching the big screen and chilling. I says, well, where's your wife at? He said, well, she's hanging with her sister. I says, oh, man, so you're taking advantage of the hall pass. So he's hanging out, enjoying himself. And, I'm, and then I says, well, I'll be out here tomorrow, man. Are you coming to the festival tomorrow? Here it is. This is that freedom. I'm going to be at the festival tomorrow, which is today. And my family, we're coming out. Will you be there? He says, no, man, I don't think my wife is going to let me out tomorrow. Single people are laughing. Married folk, we're not because that's the truth. We got to get a hall pass. Me and Sam been trying to have a date, a man date for how long now, brother? Trying to have a little man play date, and it ain't happened. We got babies and kids. 
There's cert- that's one of the gifts or benefits of being single. I got a young brother I was telling the other day. He said, man, I'm just frustrated. I've graduated college. I'm, I'm talented. I'm handsome. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, but I'm just frustrated. I says, man, how many kids you got again? None. I says, what's your wife's name? I don't have one. Well, what's your girlfriend's name? Don't have one of them either. Fool, I would be like coming to America with the globe. I would spin it and say, bam, that's where I'm going next week. <laughs> you don't realize that until you're married. So when I spin that globe, it's like, nope, let me see what the budget looks like because I got to get, I got family of six for those that don't know. You know, it's my wife and four children. And every time we go somewhere, I have at least a niece or a nephew that wants to accompany us. So we're talking about seven people. People think I got a, 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 a minivan because I want to be cool. No, that's the only vehicle that will hold all of us. All right? I'm on my way to a 12 passenger. Wow, it's right. <laughs> and so listen, I'm like, go wherever you want. You're single. You have no kids, no responsibilities. Man, I would live in France for half a month. Then I'd travel and I'd like take their train and go to London. Just get me over there. I'm going to figure the rest out. When you're single, you have none of these things. Here's another benefit you single folks have that us married folks don't have. The opportunity to accomplish your, glo- your goals. You have an opportunity to accomplish your goals. Now, let me fix that. Because there's a lot of you out here, and I've talked to y'all where you say, I'm not going to get married yet. I need to get myself together. I want to finish school. I want to start my business. I want to put like $100 million, $1,000 and all of this stuff in the bank. I want to be like super set up. And then God is going to bless me with my spouse. And I say, wrong. You don't have to wait to do that. So what I'm saying, when I say you have the opportunity to accomplish your goals, you can certainly start it. You don't have to say, wife, do you think we can afford for me to start this business? Do we have it in our account? Uh, Husband, do you think we have the opportunity to, to do A and B? No. When you're single, you can say, I want to accomplish this goal or that goal. I'm going to do it. I don't have to ask mama. I don't have to ask daddy, granddaddy. I don't have to ask boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm single. Deuces. You can begin to accomplish your goals. Again, single folk, do not let your goals be the reason for you holding on and waiting. Because I want to tell you something. You're not God. And when you hold on and wait, you get in the way of God, sending that person that is perfect for you, your soulmate, your boo thing, or whatever you want to call it. So don't let your so-called ambitions get in the way of what God has planned for you. Don't, there's, no, there's never a perfect time for, for marriage. Can, let me tell you my story. I met my wife. She was making six figures. I still don't know why she dated me. I was a mus- musician, and still am a professional musician still, and a pastor. And some, back then, now it's different, but back then, I may make $500 in a week. I make $500 in a month. It all depends on what comes on the table or what I want to sacrifice for. And she still, I was, I was considered to be in the worst place I could be. I was living with my mother for the first time since I left for college in 1993. I didn't have a car. I was borrowing somebody's car. I don't know what she, that had to be God that brought us together. This woman is doing what? Now, I just want to fix this because some of y'all might be like, well, she must have been desperate. No, no, no. And if I think you're saying it, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm talking about my wife. <laughs> no, she wasn't desperate. But you know what she was? She was in the same place that I was at that time. I was like, I wasn't dating just to be dating. Because if I read that I was a brand new Christian, I was fresh, I was like deep into the Word, I was volunteering, I was in ministry, I was like on it. And I was like, I'm not trying to just be dating. I did that for the first 20-something years of my life. I'm looking for wifey. I'm looking for the one that God has said I'm supposed to be with. And she was like, I'm not dating. I've dated doctors. I've dated CEOs and lawyers. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm looking for my Adam. And God brought us together at the right time because I wasn't looking for anything else beyond God. It was God that I was searching. It was God that I was seeking. And God brought me Erica. And here we are, you know, like I said, this year we celebrate 10 years of wonderful marriage and a bunch of babies in the process. So y'all know we love each other. I can't wait till we do our sermon together. I'm going to embarrass her so bad, or she'll embarrass me. Here's the third thing I want to offer that's a gift for you single people. And this is, y'all don't realize, this is such a great gift. Undivided time with God. Undivided time with God. Married folks, some of you are like, oh, I get that anyway. But you probably like me. You got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning when you know everybody's asleep. Or you got to, or you got to stay, try to stay, or, or midnight, Right? And, and by the way, that applies for even intimate time, right? It's 5 o'clock in the morning or midnight. It's, it's, you know, it's just all of that. That's part of marriage. But the undivided time with God, uninterrupted, as a single person, if you're living in your crib by yourself, or even if you have roommates, just go in your room. It's, it's chill. It's just you. Undivided time with God. When I was single before I met Erica, oh, my goodness. Y'all, some of y'all have heard me tell the story about the ministry we started called the King's Men Ministry. It's a bunch of men, and Erica and I were dating. And so this group of men, we used to get together and, and have our ministry sessions, and we get into words so long. I'm talking about brothers would be laid out on their stomach on the floor praying for hours. Like we were really expecting some things to happen, and they did, by the way. But we were really praying hardcore and reading and unpacking the Bible and holding each other accountable and going to all these different ministry events. We were like, we were on fire for God. I was into the Word like never before. I didn't have to ask permission. I didn't have to tell Junior to go back upstairs. Daddy's trying to pray, be in the middle of prayer. How many of y'all have been on our prayer calls on Wednesday morning? Okay, so if you've been on there, I'm just going to tell you there are some times where I'm shooing Junior out of the room while I'm praying for y'all. I'm, I'm dead serious. It's like I'm praying for about 30 people on the call, and Junior's, you know, in the doorway. Daddy, what's for breakfast? Shh. I'm trying to pray for about 30 people across America. Huh? But when I was with the Kings, man, and I was single, man, we used to get it in. And we got it in so well that when I started dating my wife and I'd be like, hey, we have a Kings, Kingsman ministry session today, I will be there so long for like four or five hours. And she's like, there ain't that much praying going on. What, what else were y'all doing? And I says, well, you know I'm not a big sports fan, so we weren't watching any sports. And, and, you know, I don't play video games, and neither do they. So we weren't playing video games. We were really praying. I said, look at me. I'm drenched in sweat. I'm wet. I'm, 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 I mean, we were pouring out to God. And that's, that's what your, one of the gifts and benefits that single people have right now, that rich opportunity to, to, to go where you want, huh? to, 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 to pursue your goals, and to have undivided time with Christ. I mean, real, real stuff. 
Don't, 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 don't do that pity pepper. God, thank you. I love you. You know I, what I prayed yesterday? I'm going to pray the same thing today. You said, you know, keep praying without ceasing, so I'm going to keep on doing that. Amen. Five minutes in the prayer and you're done. No, give God some real quality time. The same time you give a, a, a person uh, that's in your circle. Amen. Second thing I want to present to you. The first thing was be content in singleness. Second thing is, and many Christians are going to, I'm going to get so much feedback and so much backlash from this, but I don't care. This is, this, is, this is true. I believe this to be true. Number two, date. But choose wisely. Date. Date. Get out there. You'll never find the person that God has for you sitting in the house. I mean, it could happen where the UPS man is the person that God is sending to you. It rarely happens, but it could happen. You could, you know, it, it, it may not happen where you're at the gas station pumping gas and, and, you know, the fine brother comes over looking like Idris Alba and pumping your gas. That don't happen all the time. Huh? Look at people fanning themselves. Calm down now. Idris, see, he ain't nobody. He ain't me. No, I'm just playing. Light-skinned brother's on the way back for the record. Just want to let y'all know. We, we coming back. Curly hair, light-skinned. Right, Sam? Right, my brother? Yeah, Philip. Yeah, we're coming back. We're on the come up. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) real talk. People ask, and a lot of Christians are, 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 are really, really fickle when it comes to this subject matter. There are three philosophies on dating that I want to share with you, and, and then there's one particular one we're going to unpack. The first philosophy of dating is date for the sake of dating. In other words, I don't care about finding a mate. I'm dating because I want to fill this void of loneliness. I'm dating because I just need some company. I'm dating because I just need to spend some time with someone of the opposite sex. I'm dating because I just don't like to be in a house watching Scandal all by myself and I ain't got nobody to laugh and talk with. I'm dating because everybody else is. That's the first philosophy of dating. And I say, don't do that. That certainly leads down a road to some other things that the Bible says is not good. The second philosophy of dating is the total opposite of that. Don't date unless you plan to mate. In other words, don't date anybody unless you know that's, I'm, listen, I'm going to date you, but let me tell you, on date number two, I think you're the one for me, and let's get married. Huh? I know just a place down the road, uh, we can meet each other's parents at the wedding. Okay? That was, that's the other extreme of dating. So the first one is date for the sake of dating, not looking for your mate. The other one is, uh, the second one is don't date at all unless you're looking for a mate. And I say, absolutely not. That's just crazy. You, you, you know, God is relational. He wants us to be in relation and fellowship with each other, not have relations, but in relation, in, in community together. Here's a third philosophy on dating, and this is the one we're going to talk about just a little bit. Date to discover your mate. Dating is a process that, that we all can enjoy, but whose main purpose should be to discover if the person that you're dating is your spouse or has the potential to be your spouse. When I met Erica, and I always have to revert to her because she was like my first dating experience when I became a Christian. You know, there was one other. She'll tell that story one day, I'm sure. But she was the one. I just took that other girl to Steak and Shake. So we were hungry. It wasn't a date. So it really wasn't a date. We just were hungry. 
and we were leaving something together. Anyway, my wife was the real, the first real date I had, and, 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 and it was so beautiful, so harmonious, and so perfect, and it was happening so right, it scared me off, and I, I had to call it off. That was one reason. The other reason was she made a comment one time about she only, you know, eats at restaurants with white tablecloths, and I was like, yeah, well, that ain't me. And then she fixed me and says, I didn't say you had to pay for it. I said, that's where I eat. And if we're going to eat there, then I'll pay for it. Or are you too shallow to handle a woman paying for the meal? Uh, Sorry about that. Excuse me. I almost missed out on my blessing because my pride got in the way. Anyway, uh, you know, when I was was single and, and firm in my faith and I met Erica, after I, you know, when we broke up the first, we didn't break up. I just stopped calling. And when I came back, I made it known. That's not breaking up. You know. it's, we, me and her still have this kind of debate. Anyway, come on now. Let me stay focused here. I stopped calling. We lost contact with each other. I came back into her life. And I'm not going to joke. I, I made it plain. I said, listen, I, I'm not dating you to date you. I'm dating you to court you for marriage. I'm making it plain right now. And if that's not the road you want to be on, I completely understand. But I firmly believe that God has called you for me. There's something in my spirit that's telling me we're, we're, we're kindred, we're connected, and I don't know what it is. I can't stop thinking about you. You're in every single thought. If I'm drinking coffee, I'm thinking about you. If I'm pumping gas, I'm thinking about you. If I'm changing the tire, I'm thinking about you. If I'm paying a bill, I'm thinking of everything I'm doing, I'm thinking about you. That is not like me. And it really was not like me. That had never happened. So I knew it had to be God. And at the time, she was hanging out with another fella. And I, I think that was all a setup. And she had his little picture in her little condo. And so I saw the picture, and I says, what most brothers say, oh, no, I understand. As long as we can be friends. I'm cool with just friendship. But I wasn't. I was going to win this woman if I didn't have to. Because Erica, being the godly woman as she is, she made it clear. I'm in this because I'm also looking for my life mate, and I believe that God sent you to me. She says, it's crazy that you say you can't stop thinking about me, and, 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 and every, you're ever, you know, every moment you know, that we're apart, you're thinking about me. She says, that's crazy because it's been the same way for me the entire time. I was like, really? I says, well, I'll tell you what, we should, we should really be intentional about this. So we started having real conversations. How many kids do you want? How many kids would you like? What would you name them? That type of stuff. Some of y'all had that conversation like day number one. No, don't do that. Date, <laughs> looking for your mate, but don't start with those questions. They will run off, especially men. We just don't like those kind of questions right off the river. Like, what are you talking about? Your mama and them. You want me to come to your family reunion? You nuts? We just met, sis. This our life. This ain't even a whole date. We're on the phone planning our first date, and you want me to meet your mom and them. But I was intentional about that, and in the end, like I said, this year we celebrate 10 years of wedding bliss and plenty of kids. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thing is, we shouldn't even have to clap at that. That should be the norm, right? Huh? Five years is, is, is the maximum for Christian marriages nowadays. If that, five years, and that's it. Anyway, we'll talk about that during the marriage section. Here's some things I want to say. Date, like I said, date, trying to discover your mate. 
The thing with dating now is that it's, it's a little bit easier when I, than when I was doing it. Like before you had to actually meet somewhere. And so for, so people are, are you all familiar with being an introvert versus extrovert and all of that stuff? Introverts, you know, we won't, you know, they don't speak up and all, you know. And extroverts were like in your face. Like I'm an extrovert. I don't know any strangers. I make conversation with everybody. And so being an extrovert is cool, but it has its, its down points. In other words, I'm an extrovert. I'm in your face. But when it comes to the issue of dating, I have a huge fear of rejection. Not just dating, but anything in life, even pastoring. I have a huge fear of rejection. I, man, I'm scared of the word no. I hate conflict. I mean, all, you know, oftentimes I'll try to make you happy before I do the right thing. It's just, it sucks with me. And so in the dating world, it was very tough for me. It was like, I, I, could, I was terrible at breaking the ice, you know. I just hoped that my curls and my light skin was enough, you know, or me singing or playing the drums or just hopefully that pretty girl would just say hello to me and then I'm, that's my way in. A hello, like, hey, how you doing? My name is Broderick. Where you at? I'm a Sagittarius. I'm going to let loose on you. <laughs> just give me something to go with, but don't make me started. That was terrible for me. But dating now, oh, my God, you can just go on to the Internet, right, and there's free sites, and there's not some free sites, then there's social media. Oh, my goodness, there are so many hookups happening on social media. You go to Facebook, and it's like, man, I had a crush on so-and-so, and she was like the most popular girl in the school, and you go, but you didn't know that was her because, yeah, things have changed. Or, or, or that guy, he was like the jock, the all-star varsity letter, football player, all-state, the man, and you go on the site, and it's like, ooh, that's you? What happened? Who did you eat? It happened. Y'all, come on. Y'all know I'm not making this. Y'all have seen I've seen it. Huh? What happened to your teeth? You used to have a whole bunch. You got like three. What happened? <laughs> then you look and see, okay, let me see their profile, where they go to school, where they work. No job listed? Self-employed? Rapper? <laughs> 42 years old? <laughs> okay, let me, I'm, I'm getting off. Listen, there's so many things. Let me tell you some statistics I pulled up about dating right now. This is so crazy to me, right? Online Dating Magazine estimates that there are more than 2,500 online dating sites. That's the online dating sites. Over 2,500. That's just in America. That's just in America. 1,000 of them are new online dating services opening every year. Well, no, no, let me fix that. They say that an additional 1,000 opening up every year. It's a money-making business, obviously, and people are trying to hook up. There are some estimates say that there are 8,000 competitors, meaning of doing the same thing worldwide. Worldwide. So that means if I want to get me a, 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 a German wife, I can go to a German hookup site and find my, I mean, it's crazy the number of online opportunities for dating. Check this out. There are over 1,200 online dating services with less than 25 of them considered major. So you got online websites. That's 2,500. 8,000 of them total in the world. Then you have online dating services. In other words, I pay you a fee. You match me up with somebody that fits the criteria that I set. There are 1,200 of those. Singleness should not be this much 
of an issue. Do you know that 46% of Americans are single? 46% of Americans are single. Now, that means they're either widowed, they're, they're not married. That doesn't mean that they're not dating. They're either widowed, not, uh, not married, or, 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 or divorced, or any of those things. 46% of Americans are un- That means what? 54% of us are, are in some type of uh, marriage or something, right? That's a huge number of people that are single with this huge number of opportunities to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. They even have it just for Christians, right? And, and, and now I will say this. I have friends that I know personally that have had great success with these sites. Friends that I know personally that have had great success with these sites. Then I know friends personally that have had horrible success with these sites where they've met married men. And most of the times it's, I hate to say it, brothers, most of the times those bad experiences are involved, includes married men stepping out on their wives on these sites. It's rarely wives doing it. It's crazy out there in the dating world. Proverbs 3, 5, and I want to read the message version of this scripture, says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. The thing about this is when it comes to dating, trusting God is the hardest thing to do. Trusting God in our dating and and hooking up with the right person part of our lives is the hard. We can trust God with money. We trust God with our kids. We'll trust God with giving us the right job. We'll trust him with our education, our career. But dating, we all do it. I'm going to sit back. I'm just going to give this to God. I'm going to let God choose my mate for me. That lasts about three weeks. Or until your friend calls you and asks you to babysit because she's going out on a date. Huh? It doesn't last long. And all of a sudden, you've once again grabbed the reins of your singleness from God and saying, God, I don't really believe you can find me, my mate. I, I believe the word, but it's, it's you taking too long. My clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. I need some company. Tick, 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 tick. I need some companionship. Tick, 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 tick. I want to hear my kid's voice in this house, not my friend's kids who I'm babysitting while she's out on a date. Tick, 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 tick. And we get overly anxious because God is not responding to our requests as fast as we want. Maybe there's some things you need to fix before God does that because he don't want you to mess up something. Or maybe he's working on fixing the person that he has for you. Maybe there's some things in their life he's trying to work through. Trusting God in those areas is so difficult. Loneliness is the reason why it's so difficult. We fear this vicious disease called loneliness. We fear catching it. I don't want to catch loneliness. I don't want to be sitting in the house, me and a cat, when I'm 50, watching old Oprah reruns on how to fix my life. I, I don't want to be watching Dr. Phil. I, I, I'm afraid of loneliness. I'm, I'm afraid of it. And because I'm afraid of it, I'm just going to date. And we get, some of us get so desperate, we step out of our own morals. I've had Christian friends say, you know what, forget about it. 
I'm going to date so-and-so. They don't believe what I believe. They don't even like God. But you know what? Hopefully, I can change them. They call that ministry dating. It's called ministry dating. You're dating somebody that's totally, they, you know they don't believe in God. They don't like the church. They don't, like, don't even mention God around them. But you just can't help it because you're afraid of catching the vicious disease of loneliness. And you stop trusting God. And I want to say, don't do that. You hurt yourself, you hurt the person, and you disappoint God in the process. We're anxious to get married to, 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 to fix some of these things that we consider single issues. I want to tell you this. Marriage does not fix, quote-unquote, single issues. Marriage does not fix loneliness. There are many people in marriages today that are absolutely lonely. No quality time with their spouse. The spouse is either working too much or too busy for them, doing their own thing in the same house. They're texting each other. There's loneliness in marriage. Marriage does not fix that. So don't be anxious to get married to think that you're going to cure your loneliness. The other thing is marriage does not solve sexual temptation. Ooh, Jesus, it doesn't. I just want to tell you that. When you are married, especially in the city of Atlanta where there's lack of men, that ring attracts certain types of women to you. There are people walking around with this spirit that see that wedding ring and they say, I've got a job. I got my own house. All I need is somebody to come and fix the plumbing. And they're looking. They're spotting them out, looking for men with rings on and stuff that look happy in their marriage, intentionally trying to destroy it. Beware of that. Marriage does not fix sexual temptation because there's a lot of men that fall for it. Christian men, pastors, y'all read the newspaper. I don't have to get into it. Marriage doesn't fix that. I remember being married, uh, getting before we got married, and I was in the back. My father-in-law's a pastor. My wife's uh, father, he's a pastor. And the, uh, my professor from uh, ITC married my wife and I. And my father, he was also back there. So I'm with these three men who are married and have some great history. This year, my father-in-law and mother-in-law celebrated 40 years of marriage. Um, and it's been wonderful. My father, he's married as well, and so I, uh, is my mentor. And so we're back there, and everybody was giving me some wisdom. And my professor says to me, he says, well, there's one thing I want to tell you, young man. He says, uh, and he was joking about it. He says, when you say I do, she's going to say I don't. I don't want to right now. I just washed my hair. I don't want to right now. I got stuff to do. And every man in there laughed. And I was like, I didn't know what it meant until I got married. You have to plan this because when you have kids, there are things that happen. You know, there's a whole bunch. We're going to talk about that during the marriage section. I'm not going to get too deep. But that was one of the things he told me. I'll never forget that. And uh, so sexual temptation is definitely one of those things that, that marriage doesn't fix. It's still there. It exists. You're human. It does not fix deep emotional needs. It doesn't. Just because you got married, you think, oh, I need somebody to just love me. I just need to feel loved and this and that. There are so many marriages where neither spouse is feeling loved and they're hanging on for the sake of their children. Marriage doesn't fix that. So don't be eager or desperate to get married thinking that it's going to fix your loneliness, your sexual temptation, or your deep emotional needs. Definitely does not fix your life's difficulties. 
What are life's difficulties? Finances, budgeting. If we bring both our money together, we could probably, we have a whole big old pot. Yeah, you have a whole big old pot that you'll spend without budgeting and stewarding over what God has blessed you with. It does not fix life problems. If I had me a mate, we could figure out this, this thing called life out together. We can do life together. It doesn't happen that easy. Don't be desperate to get married trying to fix these things. Marriage does not fix them. However, doing life with someone that God has blessed you with, it makes every single one of those things I just mentioned so much easier. When God sends that perfect mate to you, and you, are, and, and, and you come together, the first thing me and my wife did before we even got married was cancel all of our business, our, 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 our bank accounts, and merge them together. We've, I, it's, it's amazing when I hear some, some couples say, and if that's you, I'm not trying to offend you. Some couples say, you pay this bill, I pay this bill. That's what you're responsible for. That's what, no, this is our money. We're, this is our house. We're responsible together. You don't pay the cable and I pay the, the mortgage. You don't pay the insurance and I pay this. No, we pay it. I don't care if you bring in 10000 and I bring in 1000 It's our money. It's Broderick and Erica's money to be used for the entire household. And I hear couples say that all the time. I says, no, that's not biblical. It's not. You bring it all together. That's how God wants it. It's one. You become one in every single area of your life. We'll talk more about that in marriage. If you have some desire, some sexual temptations or something like that, the funny thing is me and my wife could joke about it. We were at the jazz festival, and my wife was pointing out women before I was. She's like, isn't she cute? And I'd be like, yeah, she is kind of cute, but I wouldn't have wore that, though. It's easy for us to talk about that. She knows I'm going to look. I know she's going to look, but she's who I desire. It fixes that issue of temptation, deep emotional needs, the five love languages. Oh, my goodness, I speak my wife's love language all the time. Her love language is, 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 is acts of service. So anytime I do something, I'm speaking to her heart, not to her head. So when I speak her love language, which is acts of service, like doing the dishes, oh, my gosh, she's happy. Cut the grass, oh, my goodness, she didn't even ask me. She came home the other day, I cut the grass, trimmed it up, had it nice and everything. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, she was like, whoa, I didn't know you were going to cut the grass today. You weren't supposed to but she was happy. My love language is words of affirmation. Sometimes she would just send me a text and say, you know what? You are amazing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the man. And this S just like just illuminates across my chest just because she said I was amazing. That's all I need. That is deep dealing, trying to touch that issue of deep emotional needs, speaking her love language. And budgeting, we don't spend a dollar unless we agree on it. A dollar, honestly. Honey, uh, uh, the other day she was driving out shopping, taking running errands. And she called me and says, hey, I'm going to stop by uh, McDonald's and grab something from the dollar menu. Is that cool? Well, yeah, it's cool, baby. But the fact that she does that, that's mutual respect for one another. So all those things that I listed, don't let that be your reasons for getting married. But in marriage, those things are so much easier to tackle. Amen? Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us this, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 15. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. It's specific. Don't team up with unbelievers. 
How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Don't do it. It can't happen. Don't think you're going to convert them. Don't do this ministry dating stuff. Epic fail. Telling you right now, I don't know a single person where that's worked. I just don't. They may have worked. I just don't know them. Three things to consider when dating. Real quick. Number one, spiritual compatibility. That's number one. When you're dating someone, you have a plan. You're going to sit there. You're thinking, is this, I'm going to ask him all questions about you. What church you go to? You don't go, when was the last time you went to church? You never went to church. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I'm just going to have a, a, an appetizer and then I'm going to keep it moving. <laughs> Temperament match. Can I deal, if I'm an extrovert and you're an introvert, they say opposites attract, but can I deal with that opposite? Has God built enough within me, enough capacity in me to deal with your introvertedness? If I'm an extrovert, in other words, if I go out, you're going to always stand there like, hi, how you doing? No, I don't know if I can deal with that. You need to think about that. That's an issue you need to think about. Temperament match. The third thing that I want you to consider when dating, refuse to give in to pressure. I'm not talking about the after date. He spent $200 on this meal pressure. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the pressure from your friends and family for you to move further along than you need to at this time. The pressure from friends and family, either you seeing your friends move along in their marriage and getting married and having kids, or the pressure from mom and daddy, them like, when are you going to bring me some grandbabies? Refuse to give in to that pressure. It does no one any good, especially you. Amen? I want to recommend a book for you while you're dating. This book saved my life, and it kind of set the boundaries during my dating time. It's a book uh, by Dr. Uh, Henry Cloud and Dr. John Thompson. It's called uh, Boundaries in Dating. Boundaries in Dating. Check it out. It's really good. There's a workbook with it. Um, I would even, if you're dating a particular person that you're really interested in, you guys could even do the workbook and stuff together. It's highly recommended. It's a really good book, Boundaries in Dating. Here's a final note on that, and then we're going to finish off with this last section here. Final note, I want, this is the most important thing. Before you even begin the dating process, check your baggage. Before you even begin the dating process, check your baggage. Check it. Oftentimes, we carry over hurts, disappointments, letdowns from other relationships. We carry that over into new relationships, and a lot of times, God sends the person that is right and perfect for you, but you've carried over this junk, this heavy luggage from your old relationship, and that person suffers in the process. Check your baggage before you even begin and pray a whole lot about what God wants for you in this relationship. All right, here's the third point, and we're done here. Develop deep relationships. Develop deep relationships. We can look at John 11 and John 12. It gives a great example of how Jesus had a a really deep relationship with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Or we could even look at uh, the relationship. A deep relationship would would be how uh, how Jesus, John, uh, Peter, and James, that relationship, it was his core group. It was deep. It was beyond just service level. Deep relationships. In developing deep relationships, it requires us to shine. It requires us to shine. Shine is an acronym, and this is where you can fill in these notes. In developing a deep relationship, it requires us to shine. That means to share, to help, 
to include, to nurture, and to exalt. That word exalt is so Christianese, but it has so much power in it. To exalt simply means to lift something up. Don't we all need to be exalted every now and again, even by our our peers, our spouses, our friends, our boss? Wouldn't it be great to go into the office and all of a sudden your boss says, I exalt thee? Why do you exalt me, boss? Because you're just amazing. You are an asset to this company. As a matter of fact, this department would fail if you weren't here. Oh, what wonder it is to be exalted. Exalt your spouse just walking. Wife, I exalt thee. Not because you're just beautiful on the outside, but you're incredibly gorgeous on the inside. I exalt thee. I told you all my story about Beyonce last week. I exalted her, and I should not have. I should have been exalting my wife the whole time, even though I had the opportunity to roller skate with Beyonce. I exalt thee. What if y'all came in and the person sitting next to you like, hey, welcome to Mosaic. I exalt thee. Some of y'all probably would have run out the door. But we would have explained why we exalt thee. Because we are a community of people that want to love you regardless of where you are, who you are, what your story is. We want to love you the same way that Jesus loved us. That's why we exalt thee. So when we are uh, uh, having deep relationships, we are required to shine. Think about that. Let that be your daily thing. I'm going to shine. Today I'm going to shine because I want to have deep relationships. I'm going to shine. I'm going to share. I'm not going to just share uh, uh, my time, but it requires sharing my resources, sharing my sphere of influence, sharing some wisdom, not all the time advice. Sometimes y'all share advice that's just that y'all got from Dr. Phil, and it don't mean nothing. Help. In other words, I'm not going to look past. I'm not going to look past you when you're in need. I'm going to help you somehow, some way. I'm going to help you achieve your goals. I'm going to help you through your singleness. Include. I want to include you in everything that's going on in my life. Any graduation, any funeral, any any promotion. I want to include you in every single part. And when I say develop deep relationships, I'm not talking about in the dating world. I'm talking about in terms of friendships. Within your community, start there. Be focused on that. The other thing, nurture. Be intentional. Follow up with your people. Call them. Greg is so good about that. Every week he'll send us. We already have a men's group that meets on Tuesday. He'll hit us in midweek and say, hey, brothers, how y'all doing this week? And be like, man, I needed that, man, because I was just getting ready to choke somebody. You caught me right when I was like, my hands was like in position. And exalt. Always praise and, and exalt your friends. Lift them higher than they've been. They need it. We all need encouragement, right? Who in here doesn't need encouragement? If you don't need it, everybody does, right? Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor V said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open. 
to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.